Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that strives to make you salivate harder than Pavlov's dog at a bell choir recital. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini. Rick Moonen is once again trying to shave some years off his time in purgatory by serving as my co-host and twisting our knobs and sliding our faders, as always, is our engineer, Rich Johnson. Strictly metaphorical. <laughs> That's what he tells you. Check the video. <laughs> oh, it's been a week since you've heard from us, unless, of course, you're binging this sometime in the distant future because one of us just died and you're looking for some good Obit material <laughs> or something. If that's the case and it's me, I'll try to give you something good. Just mention I was well endowed. You've heard Again, our metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that's not you, it's been a week since you've heard our voices, and it's time to bring you up to date with what we've been up to. Since I know Rick is the coolest kid in the room right now, Let's start with him. Thanks, Al. Hey, guys. Nice to hear. Uh, see you guys again. You know, this time of year where uh, it's giving time. You know, it's charity time. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving's around the corner. We got Christmas then again, all the New Year's and resolutions. It's that time of year. So that's what I'm in the middle of right now. I'm rearranging my house, doing a charity dinner, you know, pay off for uh, St. Rose Hospitals, you know, which I'm on the board. So I'm doing a dinner at my house on, on Friday. And, you know, it's so hard to get labor, so hard to get people to come and, you know, work with me in the kitchen, work in the front of the house, you know, just to drop down plates and help clean do that kind of stuff it's insane but um that's what i've been up to i was uh, t-bones last night pretty good place like by the way i would offer to come and help you out as labor but i would just screw things up horribly <laughs> it would be bad man. i'm going to unlv unlv's uh, gonna send me some students i think and that's the best because i just want some some just hands is all i'm really looking for so I'm, t-bones you said you went yeah i went to t-bones last night consistent solid beautiful place you know it's uh it's close by you know it's, it's proximity scenario red rock yeah, casino. red rock resort yeah. yep. and you know they've always had good steakhouses and they have them in every the, the station casinos i'm saying yeah and they have them in every price range yeah to be honest i like their their boulder station steakhouse right because they do a mean oysters rockefeller over there yeah and they've got the staff that have been there for 100 years and it's a low price point but then when you get into their nice casinos i've always thought that hanks and t-bones are both really good 100 percent. good 100 uh let's see what else have i been up to um i'm dehydrating now I bought a dehydrator i've got bananas and pineapples and stuff so you are not dehydrating not me no 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 I you I bought, on, I bought, no on purpose dehydrating <laughs> things you know? you're gonna you're gonna take a 50 dollar piece of uh sirloin and make it into a five dollar piece of jerky i might do that all right i might just do that remember um, that episode of friends where chandler got that weird roommate and his somebody famous played him and he was drying i'll dry anything is there just dried shit all over your house now? i go through these phases now i'm de i'm in my dehydration <laughs> stage so uh i know you I, I can remember i remember like your tandoori stage right yep. you're always working in a tandoor oven so you're just always trying to learn about new things that's right that's what that's all that's the game, man. Speaking of games, I binge watched Squid Game. Wow, what a freak show! And that I don't know. If I, I I lasted three episodes, and I said, "No, it's no. awesome." I, I dug it, and I hate watching people. I hate watching foreign language shows because I either get distracted by the yeah. shitty dubbing or distracted by the reading along. And yeah. I can read. I am, in fact, literate. Yep, you but, okay. um, <laughs> nonetheless, just it just bothers me. Um, nah. But I like Squid Games, man. You know what I think about it? It's so, so violent. But it's the kind of violence that was like, you know, Sin City violence, you know, where it was black yeah. and white. Cartoon and violence. Cool. It's so it's it's like watching Godzilla. You know, all the people are getting squished by a big animal. Yeah. <laughs> so all these people are dying, but it's because 
because it's in that genre in my head that it wasn't like that. I, it didn't get it didn't give me nightmares. It, didn't yeah. it was just it wasn't realistic enough. It wasn't saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't. There are other really good. I would submit better Korean shows to watch. It was one called My Name about a girl whose family is killed off and she aligns with the mob boss to become a police officer. Oh, that's pretty cool. Ooh, okay. Back and forth, subtle stuff. Rich is recommending the good stuff. Now, I'm going to recommend the junk food. We're going to switch oh, here thank for, you. The, yeah. for the Netflix. If um, if you like Squid Games, mm-hmm. and also if you ever saw that movie SFW, which is a million years ago, but a weird movie, yeah. um, a cross between those that I just watched, ridiculous cartoon violence, there's a killer panda, animated panda bear in it, <laughs> and a bunch of, it's a reality show where they just murder somebody new every week. It's called Funhouse, and I think I saw it on <laughs> Hulu, I believe, and you should definitely check it out. Uh, they basically kidnap a bunch of um, horrible reality TV people and Instagrammers, uh-huh. and then they murder one every day based on votes. It's a lot of fun. Again, and they, metaphorically. They, they they, they, <laughs> no, they dissolve well, one of them in the acid. word of the day yeah yes exactly. <laughs> they dissolve a guy in acid they just pour oh. acid in oh. it's yeah. kind of fun um so yeah. if you like squid games well you know and that's roger rabbit but wait yeah. just one quick thing just so you know because this is a show about food oh yeah what's happening in vegas squid games is everywhere Keep an eye on Marche Bacchus, my friend. There's some stuff going on there that's going to be cool. I can't, I can't really dis- disclose who or what's going on in there, but when when we, when people find out, they're going to be pretty surprised. Okay, that'll tease. Them. Make your reservations now. <laughs> Rich, what are you up to? This I I, I spent a lot of time at home doing more braises, and uh, my wife, as we record, is making baguettes, and I had another mm. for bagels today, so we did a lot of food stuff. But my my big outdoor adventure was con- con- continuing the tour of casino coffee shops. And I made up a bit of an exception to my 24-hour rule. The, the shop at Binion's closes at 2 or 3 a.m. for about four or five hours, mm-hmm. owing to COVID and like that. Mm-hmm. Even though it was lunchtime, I went in. I ordered eggs over medium toast, hash browns, uh, nicely cooked eggs, crispy potatoes, a, a couple generous slices of bread. Uh, let me uh, get to the meat in a moment and mm-hmm. tell you about one of the reasons I'm so happy to be living in the West again after 13 years in the East and, and 10 years before that uh, is I can get hash browns again. Mm, not it's like all about McDonald's the hash browns? Because I like McDonald's. In, any, of, any hash browns. From D.C. to Boston, it's all about the home fries. Mm, the more like a tater tot, the, the better. Uh, yeah. yeah. Variety of potatoes, the other ingredients, some onions, some pepper, all good stuff. Cooking time, general all-around quality is was never consistent in the home fry universe. Mm -hmm. Give me crispy shredded potatoes cooked on a flat top, ideally on the same spot where the bacon just came off, and I am a happy diner. So I usually go. He calls it vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's no. (laughs) So I usually go with the bacon or the sausage with my eggs, but uh, I'm a man of simple tastes and. uh, I don't want any fucking umami or cherry notes on my breakfast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Binion's was pushing a special. I just wanted to see if it was as bad as the last time I had it a couple of decades ago. And oh, gosh, yes. Yes, they're consistent. Is that going to be their new ad campaign? <laughs> yeah. As bad as when you had us a <laughs> When you were a kid. <laughs> Chicken fried steak. Mm. remains the abomination it's always been. <laughs> I mean, it's an abomination to walk into a Fremont Street <laughs> casino coffee shop no. at lunchtime and <laughs> oh, order a steak. Chicken fried like, steak. No, it's it's steak-like, you know, that koi is, is, is uh, you know, 
Chilean sea bass. Okay. We're talking about a breaded, deep-fried hamburger covered with a gray-speckled library paste labeled country gravy. Yeah, what's the price tag on it? Uh, coffee, Players Club discount, 14 bucks. Yeah, so yeah. you want what did you want? Prime you rib? what you pay for. No. Oh, I, come on. What the hell? I know. What are you it's, looking it's, for this? Somebody that's just handing I away wagyu? It's an I inedible <laughs> part of the animal that's run through a machine to tenderize it. And it's fried. I, are you I, a masochist? could have gone just... to the bacon. I could have gone to the sausage. I <laughs> no. did this because, you know... Uh, it's my public service. Research. I eat shit so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do appreciate your community Thank spirit you. there, you. but I wasn't going to eat that shit to begin with. <laughs> Taking one for the team, baby. Oh, wow. man. I had a very Sammy Hagar weekend. Saw a show on Friday night. Um, went to a small after party he hosted at the Cabo Wabo Cantina in the Miracle Mile Shops on Saturday night. Um, we're not going to bore you with too much music, but just for the record, I want to say this. I'm a David Lee Roth fan when it comes to Van Halen and a Sammy Hagar our fan when it comes to everything outside of Van Halen mm -hmm. and his set list Friday oh my god that was packed with the songs that I wanted to hear I mean <laughs> rock candy heavy metal only one way to rock. Three lock box even. What the hell? Sammy was on fire. He's still excited <laughs> about life. Sammy is just, a, he's, a, you yeah. know, he's in his 60s. 74. 70, 74. Ooh, the guy 74. is just like full of life, full of excitement. You yeah, know, and tell. a super nice guy. Yeah. Met him many times. He was also a good friend of um, of Kerry Simon. Yeah. So you know he's got to be a good person. Mm -hmm. I would also like to note that Brian Adams was at the party on Saturday. And at one point, Sue asked me to point him out. I told him, he's the guy sitting across from Sammy. And her response was, you mean the guy who looks like Rick Moonen? What? <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. What? That's good or bad. Come on. Um, I said, no, the guy that looks like Buddy Holly. And she said, well, same thing. Uh, <laughs> I take that as a compliment. No, you know, Sue loves you. Um, <laughs> getting into the food, I had pre show dinner at PT's in the Strat, and I was pleasantly surprised by just how solid their hamburger was. Really good. Now that you know, of course, Golden Entertainment, Golden Gaming's had a lot of yeah, great yeah, chefs yeah. through that company over the years. Sure. Um, but give them a chance. We also had some of Sammy's new Beach Bar coolers. Now, look, you guys know I stopped drinking before this hard, whole hard seltzer craze hit. On those occasions that I do drink, it's usually very small doses of very expensive hard spirits, right? right? So I got to say, I do not get the idea of spiking mildly flavored water with a bit of alcohol. I, I mean, like, yeah. other than trying to get sorority girls drunk. Is there, I mean, well, essentially, is there a reason for the that? The sorority girl taste buds are now with people in their <laughs> oh, mid-40s. They just the, never learned how to be adults when oh, it came to alcohol. No, yeah. high society, man. They're just drinking at the girls' all over the little cans, hanging yeah. out, little clubbies. You know, it's it's very popular. Yeah, and, and by the way, Sammy's is as good as I would have expected any hard, sultry thing to be. Oh, I'm not saying it's bad, not for me. but not why? For me. Um, I also went back to Ada's on Saturday, two days before I received the email about their new menu, so I wasn't there with the intention of ordering new things, but I am so digging on the vibe of Ada's recently, and to get over there, check out what Jackson Stampler, Stamper's doing. I did try a couple of new dishes, including a very complex um, blue corn tamale dish that combines sweet and savory, creamy country, lots going on with it. Um, I'd have to eat it at least one more time before I could give you a really solid opinion on it, but it intrigued me. And that is kind of a word that I'm really into for food. If it's intriguing and I'm curious and I want to go back and try it again, then to me it was worth the money that I spent on it. And yep. yes, I do pay for my meals. Um, and it, it was a damn, you know, so so go check that out. It's like, what's that smell? Cool stuff going on. At, um, <laughs> I don't like it, but I'm... <laughs> 
Interested. <laughs> oh, man. Also, something I noticed at Ada is Tivoli Village has these weird little plastic mini houses that they're setting up for dining. They look like they're made out of clear takeout containers with a metal frame. They're fully furnished. They're adorable. They're like little doll houses or something. Um, you can sit in them, order takeout from any of the restaurants in Tivoli. And if you're still young enough to sit on the floor or on a pillow on the floor and get back up after a meal without knocking over the whole house. Can they, you see through it? You can. Yeah. People can watch you eat. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so they're. They're pretty freaking adorable if you're like of that age where you're play looking pens. for pretty freaking adorable adult, adult play pens. Um, but I just they actually asked me they're like, hey man, one cleared out. Do you want to go sit in it? And I'm like, dude, nah. you're gonna have to pull a tow truck over to get my old ass out of this thing. So um, look, if 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 you're freaking old, um, stay away from them. But if you're young and cool and hip, definitely give them a shot. So next up, man, if the show were a sandwich, our next segment would be the meat in the middle. That's about the best lead-in I can come up with right now for an interview with two of the Valley's best sandwich makers. But have no fear, Rick will be back immediately afterwards when we plan to check the news, weigh in with our thoughts on Desert Companions Restaurant Awards, and consume some cannabis. I will also have an interview with Marcus Samuelson. And if you or someone you love is a vegan, you will not want to miss that. This is Food and Love. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Rich, you know what time it is? Sandwich time. The clock on the wall oh, says man. it's now sandwich time. And we've ro- relocated for this segment to the Ellis Island Casino. One of my actual favorite places to come and watch a um, Golden yeah. Knights game, by the way, ever, is the front yard at Ellis Island. I've had wonderful luck with the slots here, although today I won about 120 and then I gave it right back. So I only have myself to blame. Uh, that's what happens. I'm <laughs> Christina Ellis is, is nodding approvingly. <laughs> you gave it all back. I can see that in the background. Um, th- this is a great place. Th- this is a, a casino that's known for bargain hunting food, foodies, yeah. right? People come for the steak special, which is really well known. But it's also the location of a Metro Pizza and a brand new sandwich place. That is why we are here today to talk not about the front yard, as much as I love watching the nights and go nights go uh, there and not about John Arena's great Metro Pizza, but we're here to talk about sandwiches. And our guests for this segment, whom I will introduce momentarily, are Ishmaele. Did I get that yes, right? Ishmaele Romano, yes. proprietor of the newly opened Via Focaccia Sandwich Shop. 
and the head chef of the downtown institution, the Good Witch, Dave Simmons. Hello, gentlemen. I got your names right, right? At least on yes. the second try? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think mine was a little easier. Oh, yeah, it was a little <laughs> easier. So thank you. And thanks for joining us. Um, before I get to your backgrounds and some questions for each of you, the question is, why are we talking sandwiches? And honestly, it's not just to appease Rich, although I've got a feeling that, you know, he's so tired of hearing about foie gras, he wants to hear about <laughs> yeah. something this, like sandwiches. You're, this helps, yes. Uh, but the late, great Warren Zevon, discussing his terminal cancer diagnosis, of all things, with David Letterman, said that among the effects the news had on his outlook was, quote, he was of a mind to enjoy every sandwich. And um, that stuck with me since the time that I saw Warren speaking to, to Letterman about that. Uh, so in honor of Mr. Zevon, we're here today to help you enjoy as many sandwiches as possible and spare you the shitty ones. Um, that, that, that's the goal of this segment. And if that reflection on our own mortality is too morbid or perhaps filled you with a bit of existential dread, allow me to quote another dead guy, the oh, late Lord. great comedian Mitch Hedberg, <laughs> who once said, everything's a sandwich. Like, I ordered a salad and they brought me a plate with lettuce, cheese, bacon bits, and croutons. That's a sandwich some assembly required. <laughs> um, so they're brilliant and introspection notwithstanding. The sandwich is definitely a staple of human existence. You can make just about every Everything into a sandwich. Everyone eats sandwiches. Everyone sells sandwiches. So I'm going to open up with my own existential crisis. Why are there so many shitty sandwiches being sold in this world? And why is it so hard to find a good sandwich? Rich, you seem to be okay with mediocre sandwiches that are brought to us by the Subways and the um, Blimpies the of the world, and the yoga and mat the bread Some, and all of that well, stuff. Well, at one time in my life, there was no such thing as not, as too much mayonnaise. So uh, <laughs> that, that covered up a lot of sins uh, in, in my palate. But since I moved here, since I've been uh, you know in your shadow, I'm, I'm trying to up my game a little bit, mostly at home because my wife bakes really great bread, and uh, I'll, I'll find some quality ingredients from these quality purveyors we have talked about on this podcast and do some stuff at home. And you do it up at home. Well, yeah. we want to talk about making it easy for people to get good sandwiches out. I went yesterday to a downtown institution to get a sandwich to take home with me. Um, look, if you're a regular in downtown Las Vegas, you probably already know about the Good Witch. It's one of our Valley's truly great sandwich shops. Um, if you need a history lesson, it was established in 2014 by local F&B pioneer Josh Clark in a tiny kiosk in the parking lot of Dino's, which, by the way, is an amazing dive bar that <laughs> host seedy karaoke nights and has given birth to a surprising number of great restaurants over the years. I mean, everybody from Justin Kingsley Hall came out of there. Um, but we're talking about the Good Witch, which came out of that little kiosk and eventually relocated to the Soho Lofts in the ground floor. The entrance kind of around the back there, not right on um, the main drag, but you can find it very easily. I was there yesterday. It's consistently been listed as one of the best sandwich spots in Nevada by outlets such as Eater, MSN, USA Today, the this goes on and on. In late 2019, Clark sold a portion of his interest to DTP Companies, formerly the Downtown Project, and they, of course, one of the most important forces in downtown Las Vegas is Renaissance. Um, after closing briefly during the COVID shutdown, the Goodwitch reopened last October with a new chef at its helm. That man is the one who's joining us here today. Dave Simmons, former executive chef of Gallagher Steakhouse in the New York, New York Casino, also of Lawry's Prime Lib prime rib loft chef did i get all that right about you man and your and the good witch yeah you've got the last uh, couple gigs right yeah cool what, what else should we know about your background 
Well, uh, I've been in it all my life. I was actually born into it when I was young. My parents had restaurants. Uh, they were their delight restaurants. So it uh, kind of feels like my career's kind of come full circle. Here I am back at the little sandwich shop, kind of where I started. <laughs> yeah, um, but bring with it all of that serious restaurant experience that you've acquired in the years in between. I did a lot of fine dining, uh, 10 years at Gallagher Steakhouse inside New York, New York. And then the, the uh, last eight years at Lowry's Prime Rib, and, uh, of course, thanks to COVID, I ended up losing my job there. They eliminated my position, and we went from doing $8 million a year to less than a million in to-go business. Oh, man. And that place wow. has 600 seats in it, too. Wow. So it, it was kind of brutal. But you know what? It was, it was really good. It was time for me to go. It was uh, the right time in my life, and this uh, Goodwitz gig came up, and it's just been awesome. I'm, couldn't be happier. Well, I was glad to get back in there. First time since COVID, I got the Reuben-ish, and I'm going to ask you to explain in one second why it's a Reuben-ish. But man, I've got to say, talk about a sandwich that carries holds up on the drive home because it was a 20-minute drive home for me. I got it home. I'm like, I got to post some pictures on social media, and that's not always a good idea. Like a lot of chefs will call <laughs> me like, take that picture down, right? But yours looked fucking beautiful, man. I mean, okay, there was some grease on the paper. I mean, it's, but but the pull on the cheese was still going strong, but by the time I got it in the house, it was delicious. I dug into it with your hot pickles on the side, which I believe are house-made, but right. I'll ask you about that. But why is that not a Reuben, but a Reuben-ish? Okay, well, remember the grease equals flavor, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we do differently, and, and all of our sandwiches, we add a little culinary twist to them all to make them a little bit different, take a lot of the classics and do something a little different to them. In the case of the Reuben-ish, Instead of a fermented sauerkraut, we use a braised Bavarian cabbage. And that wow. just creates such a richness to it. And, you know, it's interesting because with Rubens, and I'm probably just going to show my ignorance here, but, I, you know, I like them with sauerkraut. I've had places where people make them with coleslaw, mm -hmm. and I just hate that, but I'm not a mayo-y kind of guy. But what you put on there, sort of like halfway in between, I'd say those two in, in some way, right? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a slaw that is... Yeah, it, 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 I'd say best of both worlds of those two options. So I really dug that, man. Yeah, we it's just green cabbage that we sauteed down with some uh, Bavarian spices, caraway seed and that, and it gives it that nice, rich, earthy flavor. When you came into uh, the Good Witch, it already had a huge following. It had already been named a lot of things. Uh, so was the goal to change it, to redefine it, to make it your own, or did you just want to tweak what was already there or how did you approach that because it had such a legacy and such a fan base yeah for me it was such an honor to step into a place like this and just continue the legacy that had already been created so for me that was a challenge now i've got to create all these great sandwiches that have been there in the past but something new and different and try and do it with some classic sandwiches not just stuff people never heard of before because let's face it you can make anything into a sandwich <laughs> yeah but um I have relied a lot on my uh, steakhouse and fine dining experience to bring that to some of the sandwiches. To give an example, one uh, that I just put on, it's called the Mad Cow. And <laughs> yeah, it's always yeah. good to name things after a disease. I love that. Well, it, and that's a little bit of uh, rebellion and therapy for me <laughs> because when I worked at Lowry's Prime Rib, the beef cost is really high. Well, the Canadian beef is about 20% lower. I wanted to get the beef from Canada 
And corporate said, no, you can't do that because of the mad cow disease. And so I thought, okay, fine. That's good. Here we are at Goodwitch. I'm creating a prime rib sandwich, and I'm calling it the mad cow. And it's Canadian. <laughs> uh, no, it's not Canadian. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> but for the steakhouse. I was going to say, were you running cows over the border? Is there some kind of covert tunnel system you have? I don't know. Well, that's kind of a weird thing, too, because if they slaughter the, the beef in Canada, it's labeled Canada. If they ship it to the United States from Canada to be slaughtered, it's now American. So it really is the same beef that we're, we're eating. We just don't know that. North American beef. Yeah. Yeah. So right. uh, the the uh, steakhouse twist to the mad cow was uh, I put a duck cell in there, which typically goes with a uh, beef wellington. Okay. Wow. Cool. Well, I'm going to have to come in and get that now. I'm mad I didn't get that <laughs> oh, yesterday. From start to finish, that one's a good one. Uh, also joining us today, my other guest and our host for today is... is, is is it Ismaile or Ishmaele? Ismaele. Ismaele. Thank you, sir. And I'm yeah. going to get that wrong. And you can feel free oh, to just throw shit at me every Slap time him. I do. Slap him a lot. Okay. Ismaele Romano. Um, born in Sicily. You learned pizza, I'm told, and bread making from your grandparents who owned a bakery. After immigrating to the U.S., um, he came to the attention of a lot of local foodies through the local pizza community. Uh, Romano spent some time flipping, t- flipping dough at Good Pie in the Arts District and briefly made Jerry's Nugget. A foodie destination, which I know I didn't think it was going to happen, but um, that was through your work at Contento Pizzeria. Jerry's Nugget, now with fewer parking lot homicides. I mean, I always thought Jerry's Nugget was where you went when you were coming from, um, you know, Palomino or on your way into Palomino Club or La Chica's Bonitas. (laughs) But um, suddenly I I heard that Ismaile was over there. And yes, so your pizza experience really um, got you your start. Um, I also had some other things that you had done there. Sorry, I lost my track there. Um, you've also worked at Italy and at um, Cipriani, one of which I actually like. I won't tell you which one. <laughs> Out there in podcast land, you may have heard Jason Harris's interview with him on this podcast shortly after he was named the World Sandwich Champion at the 2021 International Pizza Expo. In it, you described your winning sandwich, and um, you know what? Let's not send people back there to hear it. Why don't you tell us about the sandwich that won you that prize, and then, of course, about what you're doing now here at Via Focaccia. Well, my food is always about my memory, my story, right? When I'm coming from from little town in Sicily, uh, and when we cook something, we cook with the heart. We, we like, we love what we do, so... And this is a simple uh, sandwich. I do also my, my twist. And that sandwich that I win uh, in 2021 at the Expo here in Vegas, it was, uh, uh, if you walk in Rome, you take a little, I live in Rome for like three years. So when you off, the day off, you always have a little walk in Rome. So and the smell <laughs> of porchetta, erbette is always around you. So. I say, okay, I need to make something really incredible for this competition. You know? so, and I try to pull all together the sandwich. And I want to cook the herbete, which is a green uh, dandelion that we call a chicoria in, in Italy. Mm-hmm. But I say, maybe if I put on top the meat, they judge if you never eat it, it's a little bit bitter, so maybe they won't like it. So I need to find another, another way. So I incorporate it on the dough. So the dog was green because I incorporated <laughs> the dandelion and the kale inside. Wow. And wow. I cooked the porchetta, four hour, six hour porchetta cooking. And I make the jardiniera from scratch. I live on the refrigerator for like a, one week to 
finish the, all the process of fermentation uh, and everything. And also Galbani gave me the, um, uh, the provolone cheese. And so that's how I make the sandwich, and the judges really love it. And <laughs> awesome. Now I'm looking at the two. You, professor, he brought us two great, great-looking, beautiful-looking sandwiches up here to this recording session. I don't see any um, green dough here, so no. these are not the, it, These are not that one. We're not getting no, that one, right? No, that one. It's, that is too complicated. I make all, <laughs> all, the, all the preparation to make the dough, the porchetta. Mm-hmm. It's long process. I can make it here because it's too small. The spa we have, but we have a really good sandwich, and uh, I bring two of my favorite sandwich, which is the Genovese, which has uh, roasted uh, eggplant, roasted tomato, uh, <laughs> pesto mayo, and burrata cheese, and also I bring the last one that is, is coming soon, really, and is the I call chicken pizzaiola. So let me re- let me say this. In Sicily, in Italy, you you have uh, all the chicken cutlet that's already pre-made, and you buy at the store, you just cook at home. And there is this cordon bleu, they have uh, inside ham and cheese, and also they make a different flavor, which is uh, also la pizzaiola, which has um, ham, cheese, and a little bit of tomato with um, oregano. So. Uh, for me, every time my mama cooked that, for me, it was, I was happy. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I need to make a one sandwich like that. So I make this chicken cutlet, and we put on top the, um, the ham, the Italian ham, we call prosciutto cotto. Mm-hmm. And I make the um, roasted tomato spread and burrata cheese. So when you eat all together, I, I go back to my when I was like a seven years old, yeah. Yeah. ten years old. Brings you back to your yeah. childhood. All yeah. due respect, everything else on the menu, that that's all you need to do. Just just do that sandwich all day, and and the world will be happy. I'm now realizing yeah. we don't have a knife to share this nicely between us, so this could end up no kind of like when my dogs fight over a marabone. <laughs> <laughs> used to fight over marabones yeah. in the house, um, because I know we are all eyeing those sandwiches, rather um, <laughs> salivating as we eye them. So, um, chef, tell me. About about coming to Ellis Island and what it is you're doing at Via Focaccia. What is your goal with creating sandwiches? And this is sort of a grab-and-go type of situation in that, you know, you don't, you, you walk up to the counter, you order, you get your yeah. sandwich, and then you eat it wherever you damn well please. Yeah. But I can tell that this is not the pre-made kind of grab-and-go package sandwiches. There's love and made-to-order that goes into these things. So could you explain what you're doing here? So we make a focaccia from scratch every day. Uh, we import it from Italy, the best ingredient. And if we don't find it, right now it's really complicated. We have everything from Italy, so we try to find the best ingredient here in the USA from California uh, we have most of the cheese from California so uh, and I try uh, like I said all my sandwich everything we do here is try to bring out the the flavor that is simple that I grew up mm-hmm. so and try to don't be too much complicated because the space is really small I, I can be too much complicated but but also, I think you don't need to be too much complicated to make a good sandwich. You can make a good sandwich with a simple ingredient, great quality, and <laughs> with the passion, with the love for the food, the respect for the food, because that's another more important thing. You know? well, respect 
ingredients. Yeah, you know, my gut tells me you should be right. It should be easy to make a good sandwich. Um, and I guess maybe it's the passion or maybe it's what you grew up with. You grew up with better food than a lot of Americans did because my, my question would be, gentlemen, why then are there so many bad sandwiches in the world when we can all do it? And, and what do people need to do better? Is it is it the quality of the ingredients that, that most sandwich shops are using or is it just hiring people who don't give a shit about putting those ingredients together? I mean, what's the problem and what, how are you guys addressing that and fixing it? Well, I'd say it's all of the above. Um, you have to have good quality ingredients. You, you, you can't really mask that. And having a good bread is really a key to starting off with a good sandwich. And then having a good understanding of how the flavors are going to react once they get into your mouth. As far as the layering, the, you have something crispy, something smooth, and it's all about the mouthfeel and the taste. So, yeah, you can't just grab a couple of slabs of bologna, stack them together, and just put it on a sandwich. That makes a sandwich, but it doesn't make a good sandwich. Is the key also that scale or lack thereof is the way to go. You have one shop, you have one shop. You don't have 5,500 shops right. and have to source from all over the place at various costs, at various levels of quality, at various levels of competence. Yeah, and in fact, uh, expanding like that has been a downfall of a lot of restaurants. They can't keep up that quality consistency that got them there to begin with. But if you take a look at Chef Sandwiches here, with his, his ham here, you see it's not slices stuck together laying there. I was going to ask you about up. that, right? Because even when, and, and this is something, a lesson that people can take when they make a sandwich at home, right? Because you're making a sandwich at home and you get that, that deli stuff, it's all kind of stuck together and you want seven slices, five slices, whatever. A lot of times you don't take the time to peel each individual well, slice, yes. right? Take that time, peel the slice and pile it like he's done there you create air, it aerates the meat. So you're getting, every time you take a bite, you're getting some airflow and some more flavor in there as well. So that actually does have an effect on your taste buds and how your taste buds take in the flavor of the, the ingredients. That's right. So now granted, if, if somebody is working with subpar ingredients, maybe they don't want you to taste <laughs> yeah. that. Um, you guys both come to this from a chef's, with a chef's background. Um, and I guess a lot of people would think that there's maybe a contradiction to chef-driven sandwich shops, but clearly you feel that the, 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 the um, skills that a chef has, the skills that a good pizzaiola has, uh, are important to, to making a sandwich. I guess you don't, do you have to make the bread in-house? Because you guys don't make bread in-house at Goodwich, do no, you? No, we don't, but it has to be good bread. We found a really good baker here in Las Vegas in Bond Breads. They supply all of our bread. They're amazing. I've been yeah. in their factory. It, yeah. It's not coming from Edmonton or no. Denver. It's no, here no. in town. And then uh, we do a, a sandwich, uh, the Turkey BLTA, which is on a croissant sandwich, and we bake those croissants fresh every day, too. And that's, again a big difference in the sandwich. Now, Chef, because you have the word focaccia in the name of your restaurant, can I assume that all of your sandwiches are made on focaccia? Yes, all my sandwiches are made with the focaccia, yes. Um, like a chef said, uh, you need to respect uh, the ingredients. So that just means when you make a sandwich, just don't grab whatever you need to put on the bread and smash it and mm -hmm. that's it. Oh, you got a sandwich. Sometimes the they guys that work with me, 
uh, they make this mistake, you know, this nice, nice prosciutto is fresh, you know, and they grab with the hands and they say, no, those mush the prosciutto. I say, Rit- cut again and <laughs> don't be gentle, put on top of the bed. They look like, um, are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm okay. <laughs> it's all about this, yeah. Yeah, it's all about respecting the ingredients. Um, I, so what about people that are making sandwiches at home, right? I mean, this may sound like a silly question, but you guys both live in Las Vegas. You, you go to the house. I have no problem finding good breads at restaurants. The chefs I know source, Bond makes for a lot of people. They're not the only good commercial baker here in town. But I... I've given up on making sandwiches in my house because I cannot find good supermarket breads. I can't find good breads, even the way that I could on the East Coast. I found good rolls, you know, make a good hoagie roll, right? Um, but I don't, I don't find that here. So what about you guys? Are there places that you can shop for good bread for for the home cook who wants to just make good sandwiches to put in their kid's lunch bag during the day? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, finding a local bakery that bakes their own bread, that, that would be the, the way to go. The grocery store bread I wouldn't recommend at all. Um, you'll go to the deli section and, and buy a, a hearty sourdough roll or French roll and, and make a sandwich out of it there. But it's um, the bread is where it all starts for the for the sandwiches. Um, w- one thing also, and you can take a look at Chef Sandwiches here. When you pick those up and to eat it, I would get bet all those ingredients are going to stay in there. Mm-hmm. And that's a trick in itself. Yeah. It's where you don't take <laughs> yeah. that first bite and everything just slides right out of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that a, also a factor of a lot of places that are making, and a lot of upscale sandwiches places, are making them more for show than for go? Yeah. Um, it, it's got to be satisfying. Uh, my feeling is an entire meal can be right in a sandwich. Your veg, your protein, and your starch. Everything you need is right there. And then you build it with the uh, condiments. Uh, the way you build the sandwich, making sure that you're, where you're using a sauce or a spread, which you need, you're spreading it from edge to edge. Same with all the ingredients, edge to edge. So you're getting that sandwich in every single bite. I learned that at the, the Humdinger hamburger stand in Aloha, <laughs> Oregon in 1970. Spread it all the way to every yep. edge. Uh, Chef Ismail, I just wanted to go off script a bit. You came here from Italy, from Rome, and from, from Sicily. You came to America, but you came to Las Vegas. Why Las Vegas as opposed to New York or Chicago or any other place in this country? My wife is from California. So California was the first uh, county where we, where we was, yeah. you know? But like many people know, California is too expensive. <laughs> so I, I have a couple of friends that live in, uh, in Las Vegas. They always tell me, oh, come in Las Vegas because there is a lot of job. And the, the life is no expensive, you know. So finally, in 2016, I said, okay, we're going to move in Vegas. I have to live one year in uh, the last years in Newport Beach. I was like, we touched already the, the yeah, bottom yeah. of the city. Newport Beach is nice, but there's a lot of zeros to the left yeah, of the yeah, decimal exactly, point. Exactly, yes. So, and that's why we move in Vegas, and, and we love it. I mean, there's if I, if I can go back to the – and I'm going to get to probably all my funny, stupid questions right now before we run out of time. But if I can go back to, the, to Mitch Hedberg. He also once said, quote, I hate sandwiches at New York delis. Too much fucking meat on the sandwich. It's like a cow with a cracker on either side. When they ask me, do you want anything else, I say, yeah, a loaf of bread and some other people. Um, and, you know, that, that is the thing. I mean, I lived – I worked at CBGB, not too far from Katz's, you know, and um, the, the New York – York deli sandwich is renowned for that. So the question is, can you put 
too much fucking meat on a sandwich, as Mitch Hedberg would say? Uh, yes, you can. As a matter of fact, um, when was it? Oh, about 20 years ago, I ran the stage deli in the forum shops, <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah. And yeah, and just on a regular sandwich, there was a pound of meat. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is, it's just too much meat. Yeah. That's uh, the classic show versus go situation. Right. Yeah. right. So you, you do need volume, but you should make up for that volume in other creative ingredients, such as uh, some pickled vegetables, maybe some nice relishes. And uh, that's going to add more flavor, and you just don't need all that meat. You know, I think back to being a kid, and my mom would make me up a sandwich, put it in a brown paper bag, you know, whatever, bologna or salami or whatever. I think I was a salami kid um, back in the day with some cheese, and then put it in a brown paper bag, and we'd throw it on the shelf in the back. And, like, today, I, I look at all my friends who <laughs> would have to pass a health <laughs> district, health <laughs> SNHD inspection. I'll, I'm I'll, like, is that safe, what we did yeah. as a kid? Is it okay to throw that brown paper bag yeah. on the shelf and I, wait until lunchtime? I do that with tuna oh <laughs> that, well, that just scares me but no, seriously like how long does the sandwich hold up if you're giving it to your kid without refrigeration yeah it's um <laughs> people are starting starting to talk about food safety now in the home and i'm really glad about that in fact i i just saw a health department do a, a little piece on that about uh, rinsing the chicken and the raw chicken going everywhere and they don't even know it mm. and you could get your family sick not even knowing it so trying to educate yourself on food safety and with meats with cured meats uh, I, i'm sure chef a lot of stuff you work with you could have at room temperature for for months mm -hmm. that you really need to know what what it is the the shelf life on whatever you're you're dealing with i hate the taste of mayonnaise I, I, to me, mayo just is like um, suburban white people. The taste of being suburban hey, and hey, Caucasian hey. in America. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, I never put mayo on a sandwich, and I just don't like the taste of it. But I don't necessarily always want to put something, you know, something on like mustard, which has a strong taste. And a lot of times you have that problem of getting dry. So any other options? Is just a little bit of olive oil, something to keep it moist, something without adding too much flavor that's going to overpower that. What, what would you guys suggest for somebody like me? Well, mayo verse <laughs> yeah at, at the goodwich we don't serve mayo on any sandwich in the straight form of mayo but we make a lot of different aiolis out of mayo mm -hmm. and that's something that i recommend you do at home you uh, get a little can of chipotle chilies and just mix a little of the dobo sauce in with your mayonnaise and you've made chipotle aioli really kicks that sandwich up quite a bit <clears throat> when we put greens on any sandwich we always hit it with a little uh, sea salt, fresh ground pepper, and olive oil, no matter what the sandwich is, adds a whole nother la layer of flavor in there. Cool. Okay, final question for each of you. If somebody's going to come here, come to one of your restaurants, get a little takeout to take home for the family, uh, what's the one item they should not miss at each of your restaurants? We will start with Via Focaccia because we're on your home uh, turf. I would say the arancini that we make here, the arancini di pasta, which we make with Annaletti that is typical from Palermo, Sicily. Mm -hmm. And this is another dish that you can find everywhere in Sicily. And the flavor is amazing, and you can find it anywhere. I'm right now. I'm the only one that make this arancini di pasta in Vegas. So, okay, we'll get that. And how about when we go down to Goodwich? For for Goodwich, it's the GW patty melt. It's by far our number one seller. And like I mentioned earlier, we do uh, take classic sandwiches and do a little different culinary twist to them. 
On this one, we take the burger patty, we chop it up on the grill, turns it into ground beef. We add a smoked jalapeno cream cheese, caramelized onions, toss all that together real well. We have grilled marbled rye with a garlic aioli and pepper jack cheese. That's Everybody loves it. So I got to go. Before you go, the, we're going to let these gentlemen go. You and I are going to dig into some, yeah. um, some sandwiches right now. Rich and I will be back after we finish stuffing our faces. This is Food and Loathing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And that's the ancient teletype, which means it's time for the news. Hot off the presses this week, we finally have an opening date for Carver Steak and Resorts World, which is right around where I would have guessed it would be if someone were taking action on such things. Actually, I would have bet on it if they were taking action. Anyone care to guess? Rick, you've opened a lot of restaurants. You know Las Vegas. You mm-hmm. own a calendar. Mm-hmm. Any educated <laughs> guess on when a high-profile restaurant might open at a brand-new resort this year? Oh, right around Thanksgiving. No, I'm surprised Ah. you said that. No, the correct answer, according to the press release, is that December 30th will be the opening date for the new luxury steakhouse in Resorts World. And I've been in town long enough to know that if there is a chance to throw a pricey New Year's Eve party or a VIP event where you could corral all your high rollers and make them feel special on New Year's Eve, most hotels will pay whatever overtime they need to pay to get the doors open in time to do it. If I feel like December 30th and December 31st, and you tell me because you've seen the balance sheets but they seem to be the money spots 100%. that these guys want you open no matter what every year two years ago before covid we had mayfair open on december 30th if yep. you're high profile you want people you want asses in that seat when you could charge them four hundred dollars for a champagne toast i'm not accusing carver of doing that but you, you know what i'm talking <laughs> no, about carver carver is going to be great i think uh, it's an interesting uh, concept the location is you know you're gonna have to find it you know but the deal of it is i said thanksgiving because soft opening yeah uh, right i was thinking early mid-December because you want to be ready because you flood the gates you want to open up the doors and make sure that you got your team together everything's sharp you've gone through that so that's why the weeks because between Thanksgiving and Christmas you know historically it's very slow in Las Vegas dead as hell a lot of places but this is your opportunity to slow open you know get the people weed out out the ones that don't work and there's a connection between Carver's Steak and Marche Bacchus. Mm. Rick is just the man of mystery, international man of Cheese mystery today with Marche there's Bacchus. There. There's a connection. Uh, um, Rich, you've got some news, I believe. Well, one of the butcher shops I was talking about last week, one of my favorites, has a, a new deal. Sam Marvin over at Echo and Rig is bringing his steaks right to your door with a new high-quality butchery membership experience. It's featuring all Tasmanian cuts. It's called Butcher in a Box. 
It's a monthly subscription running to $225. For that, you get access to an exclusive online community featuring recipes showcased by Chef Sam, hmm. wine pairings for the month's cuts, a curated Spotify playlist to, uh, you know, Roll as you cook. That's for you kids out there. Oh, yeah. I love this idea. <laughs> a special gift to complement the experience. Oh, and more. And if you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, try uh, Butcher in the Box Limited. I assume a one-off box. Yeah, one-off boxes for the holidays, all that. I actually thought I was going to have one of those limited boxes to show you both today. I was going to hand out. I was going to be like the yeah, Sam oh, Claus yeah. of meat, right? Mm-hmm. Complimentary ribeyes. Uh, but no. Sam and I got our, our schedules crossed. He's in L.A. We decided to have him on the show after Thanksgiving to tell us all about this. So um, look forward to that. Bring I him. Bring promise. him here. He's, he's t- yeah. Bring him here. Yeah, bring we, him here. I want the meat. Bring yeah, the meat. Bring all yeah. the meat here. We'll use your <laughs> knives to cut it up. There we go. <laughs> we can have a knife off. We can have Rick Rudin's oh. blades versus uh. Sam's knives and see who cuts the meat better. Or okay, we done. record the whole show right there in the butcher shop at Echo and Rig. We could do that. Echo and Rig rocks, man. Oh, so yeah. Uh, um, whoop, that, well, that is the wrong. No pressure. Action. No pressure, guys, over there. You know, That's- nice lobby. Beautiful place. We could set up a table. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I'm sure Sam's listening yeah. right now. So I am certainly <laughs> hoping that, um, that yeah, that's, what the hell? Let's get over there. Yeah. Or we could go grab a couple of those little boxes, the yeah, transparent box, put them together. Yeah. One of us in each one. <laughs> sit in a freaking tiny house. We'll get three of them in Chain a row. Chainsaws, blood yeah. splatter. Yeah. Echo. We got the echo and echo and rig, 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 rig. Oh, that would be nice. Also in the news this week, Desert Companion has released its 2021 Restaurant Awards. Mm -hmm. Desert Companion is, of course, the print publication of KMPR. Love the folks over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The list was compiled by several of my friends and former colleagues, colleagues, specifically Jim Bagley, John Curtis, Lisa Townsend Rogers, Greg Thilmont, Mitchell Wilburn. I always say that the only reason to compile a list is so other people can argue about it. So why mess with that philosophy (laughs) Um, and these are some people with whom I've had some very many many long enjoyable arguments over how bad our tastes in restaurants are over the years so let's take a look at what they've chosen weigh in on where we think they may have missed the ball as as well as their home runs Uh, Kaiseki Yuzu Asian Restaurant of the Year First thing I think here is, um, you know, I've been in these planning meetings, right? You know, there's only an Asian restaurant of the year. There's no Mexican restaurant of the year. There's no, no um, whatever. And so what, what basically happens, and I'm not talking about specifically Desert Companion, I'm, all these magazines, every one of them, I've been a part of them, is we all get together, all the writers, and we go, I love this place. Let's find a category to put it in, right? right. And then we yeah. make up, we invent a fucking it's category, backwards. right? Um, yeah, it's kind of backwards. Um, Gino Ferraro got restaurant tour. By the way, K- Kaiseki uses great. Um, I wrote about him in a story. I wrote about Kaiseki um, in their old location. They have a new one. Good for them. Gino Ferraro got restaurant tour of the year. He's a good guy, uh, heavily involved with um, Nevada Restaurant Association, deserves that. Ilya and Johnny C's Diner, neighborhood restaurants of the year. I always hated Elia, but I only had one experience, and it was bad. And a lot of my friends tell me it's f- fantastic. So Elia's great. I feel like I need to go back. I'm, I'm probably just I know, love I Elia. Blame them. Love, love, love. Okay, so we love you, Elia. I'm sorry that I didn't have a bad experience there. I will come back. Mm-hmm. Johnny C's Diner. I love Johnny C. John Church. I know sure. he worked for you for a little while. Absolutely, good um, guy. Yeah, the thing is, he's closing that location. We're still trying to get him on the show to talk about what he's doing next. So uh, here um, I was all set to say, well, maybe I should go to Johnny C's Diner and you know get over my crappy diner thing. Yeah, and go to a good you diner. Go, and go. now it's closing. You've got say. about three or four more weeks. So I think December twelfth ish is the last day. So get your butt in there. And Johnny will still be doing. Other Rumor things. is he's looking for a larger place yeah that's what we've been there's more to it i'm sure but that's so that (laughs) that should be cool um so that's neighborhood restaurants of the year um we also have florence chavot burgundy 
Bakery and Cafe was the pastry. Oh, Florent Chavot of Burgundy pa- Bakery and Cafe, mm-hmm. pastry chef of the year. Haven't eaten his stuff, so I don't know it. I got to try it. Okay. Uh, and that's why these lists are great, because I love finding places I haven't been. Um, look, James Trees just wiped up everything. Sure. Alcalito Posto got excellence in service and management. He deserved. got chef of the year. Mm-hmm. All well-deserved. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Silver Stamp, Bar of the Year. Have any of you guys been down there? I don't know. Where is it? Um, it's down in the Arts District. Every, all the hipsters love it. It is, ah. um, now I'm singeing on her name, Rose, formerly of Atomic Liquors. Uh-huh. It's her place. So um, I highly recommend people try it, even though I haven't tried it myself. So I highly recommend it myself that I try it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you there. Uh, yeah, let's meet there. And, and Rose will serve us some great beer, I have no doubt. Mm. Uh, Main Street Provisions, new restaurant of the year. I could not love a restaurant more than I love Main Street Provisions. I was just writing something, maybe a little advanced for a story I have coming out. I said, um, I'm trying out some language, but I basically said that if um, if Esther's Kitchen is the heart of the Arts District culinary scene, I would say that um, that Main Street is its libido. It's Ooh, fun, it's yeah. sexy, it's enticing, it is, it's, cool. it's flirtatious, it's got masculine and feminine, it has all that stuff. What's the name of the owner? What's her name? Um, Kim Owens. She's she, she and Justin Kingsley Hall are partners. I remember when I shut down my restaurants, I was talking about giving her bar stools and stuff from my, you know, that I had my inventory just to yeah. help her out. She's a really good person. Yeah, she's from um, most of the steakhouse chain that she was very high up in. Uh, now I'm forgetting. Ruth Chris? They have, no, uh, they have places here. I'm sorry. I'm, Landry's? I, no. no, and I apologize, Kim. You know what? I'll come back and I'll mention that in the end. But she's she's fantastic. She does in front of the love house you, Kim. Well. <laughs> um, okay, now oh, also Bizarre Meat Strip Restaurant of the oh. Year. There's an, you could give Bizarre Meat every award in the world, and I would just clap my hands. Yeah. And say it deserves it because it is just it's on every top five list. As much as I hate top five lists that I've ever created, it's always there. I get super excited when I go there. Just so because I'm I'm a pyro. A I'm a chef. B you know all the things. Yeah. On Jose Andreas, love him for everything that he is. So and bizarre meets uh, just meets all expectations. If you don't want to spend the what the three or four hundred dollars a head for a place like E and wait six months to get in one mm-hmm. of these super monster tasting menus, go to Bizarre Meat and you can build your own. Yeah. For yeah. less money, yeah. get as many things, ask the, the the folks there to help you sort through the thing. I did that the second time I was there and mm-hmm. it was fantastic. And they have a great bar menu where you can get the um, foie gras cotton candy, yeah. which yeah. is like one of just the dishes crack. you have to have. It's crack. <laughs> crack. And you can also get a, a really nice burger at the bar so you don't have to spend a lot of money. But I will say a full dinner at Bizarre Meat I always like it better when somebody else is paying. Oh, I heard. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That one will set you back. But So that was a great choice. I've got no problem with that. I'll bring it. Um, Here we go. The Hall of Fame, Golden Steer and Guy Savoie. Look, Guy Savoie belongs in the Hall of Fame, of course. Golden Steer certainly does as well. I always say between Golden Steer... I, I, I like Golden Steer. I really, yeah. really do like it. Yeah. I prefer Circus Circus Steakhouse just a bit better for the same vibe, and I think it's a slightly better price. So mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. those are two sides of the same coin. One's on strip, one's off strip. Yeah. You know, really depends on how much you want to like do demon ether like um <laughs> like like Hunter used to do when he walked around Circus Circus. Um, uh, anyway, but so the, those are all great. Also, they had um some hidden gem awards, Soul Belly Barbecue, which I love, Saga. Mm-hmm. 
pastry mm. and sandwich, which I've never been to, Gorilla Pizza Company, which I love, Hamon Hamon, which I'm going to next week, and La Cruda by El Campo, which a lot of people are telling me good things about. Rick, I know you've been on a Mexican kick. Have you I been know. to La Cruda by I El haven't Campo been to yet? La Cruda yet. No, they, I'm marking off places on my sheet here. That definitely going to go to Silver Stamp and La Cruda. Those are two okay. that are on. Oh, and Hamon Hamon. So I don't like to say negative things about any restaurant, especially after the years that we've had, but yeah. I mean, there is a restaurant here that... I guess the the nicest thing I could say about it is that I fucking hate it, but that <laughs> it's only because don't hold back, Hal. But these are things about me, right? Like this is this is just not a restaurant for Al Mancini. Doesn't mean I wouldn't tell other people to go there, but I would tell them why they should go there. I do not think Cipriani or Cipriani should mm-hmm. get Restaurant of the Year. I do not like it. But more importantly, I don't think it's going to appeal to a wide cross-section of people. I think Cipriani is a fantastic restaurant if you're the kind of person who shops on Rodeo Drive Mm. and you usually have more money's worth of shit in your shopping bags than most people's cars are worth. And you walk around with (laughs) your $50,000 shoes in a bag with a fancy name on them, and then you're going to someplace for lunch. I think Cipriani's great. That's your safe spot. That's your safe spot, right? And And it's perfectly located because all those shops to get what you just described yeah. You have to pass through to get to Cipriani. They're, They're all win. right there, right? Yeah. So if you're the kind of person who shops <sighs> in Brook Brothers for a blue blazer because it's a better blue blazer than the blue blazer you can get elsewhere, you're going to love Cipriani. Yep. But I do feel like, and look, I don't mind spending a lot of money. I don't mind going into a fancy restaurant, but I feel like some of Cipriani and everything from the vibe to the scene, it feels like it's really, you know, the old stereotypes about fancy restaurants that are there to make people like me feel like we shouldn't walk through the door with hair like this. <laughs> well, I'm the guy that still walks through the door of Robichon. I don't <laughs> give a shit. I'm the guy that walks into all those places. They've always been nice to me at Cipriani, but I feel like the entire place place is set up to make people like me feel like you do not belong here you do not spend enough money on your clothes and your shoes and your belts and your ties and your brooks brother jacket and you should stay the hell out so i think yeah. a little therapy won't help out yeah so what I'm- do you think rick <laughs> do you like cipriani <laughs> well i've got a cipriani story from you know venice yeah you know, the original. I, I was in i was in uh, italy on a trip with my wife and we were there for two weeks Right. And this is very rare that we do that. But it ended up in Venice. Beautiful place. Had a really horrible cook, uh, eating experience. Recommended by the the owner of the place we were staying at. Says, oh, go to my brother's place down there. And we sit outside right on the canals. They're everywhere. And the food was absolutely horrendous to the point where it pissed me off. This I'm is get- not at Cipriani. This no, is this – well, hold on. This is the Cipriani part. Okay. So we're walking around. It's a labyrinth and it's nice. And I'm getting tired. I'm getting cranky. And I want to just eat some good food and i'm tired and 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 so there's a there's a gondola floating that it says cipriani's on it ronnie walks over to it and because i'm looking around the main square for cipriani's i didn't realize (laughs) it's on an island or offshore so i just didn't know that so but my wife figured that either. so we get it so the guy extends her hand to my wife pulls her aboard she's looking good radiant and beautiful i get on the boat after and we motor off into over to cipriani i got off and it was like Shangri-La. It was like I walked into the most, the Garden of Eden. It was, there was angels singing, <laughs> the, the cherubs, and I, we sat down. And you know, there was uh, Francesco La Francona used to work there. That's mm-hmm. from here. I brought his name up to the guy. The guy's name was Roberto Blanco. <laughs> I remember, it was Bob White. Right. Um, so Roberto Blanco <laughs> yeah. knew knew Francesco. Sat me down, made me feel like gold. Brought me wine, fed me amazing food. I had the most eth- the, the most ethereal experience 
experience at Cipriani's. Never been here in Lexington. Okay. And look, I, <laughs> Does that I, help? I have no, I look, and you make it sound good, and I'm glad somebody's here that enjoyed it and liked it. And if I'm in Venice, I will definitely go there. <sighs> and honestly, if I'm ever shopping in the freaking wind stores for like an $8,000 blazer, <laughs> I will shop at, I'll dine at Cipriani then too, because I think that's yeah. what it's made for. I, some great Tell your friends of- about food and loathing. <laughs> Look, there are some great front of the house pieces of people I know who have been through that restaurant. I've known some good chefs that have very good chefs that have gone through that mm-hmm. restaurant. I'm really not saying that, that, that it's a bad restaurant. It's just not an Al Mancini restaurant. Gotcha. Yeah. Name something restaurant of the year. And first of all, I don't even think it opened this year, but then again. Oh, uh, it's been open a yeah, year It's been plus. open for yeah, a little yeah. while, but we had COVID, so that makes sense. So, look, if you don't talk shit about somebody else's list, what's the point of reading? I love list? it. No, that's <laughs> it. That's why there's a list. There that's go. why there's okay. a list. Case in and, point. And that's where I'm going with that one. Uh, what do we got going on next? We Oh, we've got edibles, and this is it. Rick, I went to get um, these... Um, these savory and salty edibles or something sweet and savory edibles the other day and they were out of them but i came up with this the nameless company sweet and salty is what we're looking at and you know you look at the the, they come in this tube and you look at it it says premium dark chocolate puffed marshmallows waffle pretzel it's basically a s'mores Mm. um (laughs) s'mores in a tube with cannabis there's 10 milligrams of thc in each of these and allow me to pour these out and show you how they put these together they're they're pretty freaking adorable oh, they are i mean it's a little pretzel on the you bottom you got a little, a little marshmallow yeah. crush yeah. in between and then the, they got the chocolate square 20, on the top if you want a 20 you got your sandwich. you can make a sandwich <laughs> rick is sandwiching it up um i've got to go interview marcus samuelson so i'm not gonna eat all of this it appears i could be wrong but um based on the fact that only the chocolate is stamped with 10 milligram i'm wondering if they just are using the THC infused chocolate and oh, they're yeah. stapling it to the well, pretzel. I doubt they're putting it. In yeah, the doubt they're putting it in the pretzel and in the um, thing. So let's take a bite. See what we think. You could eat the whole thing. Cool I got to go deal with Marcus. <laughs> mm. okay. Yeah, no, crunchy, crunching. crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, it's like a chocolate covered pretzel. Pardon me. Yeah, with marshmallow. Pretty solid. Um, not brilliant, but um. And, and actually, a little easier to microdose than I was expecting. I just bit a nice clean half off, and yep, I didn't have a problem with, doing that. Yep, same here. So um, if you want a five-milligram dose, you'll be able to do that. Um, I would say, based on how good it looked, flavor-wise, I'd say it doesn't perform quite up to the no, appearance. No. I think it almost needs to be tempered. You know, if, I think if you warmed it up a little bit, or I don't know what it is. The, the chocolate's too chalky, you know, te- texture-wise. yeah. yeah. And so is the pretzel. And so you have to wait for it to melt. And by the time it's melting, you're already getting a little bit of that, you know, the THC. You can taste yeah. it. You can, you can taste it. the Even THC. Even if you can't taste it, you can feel it. It's not, but it's not overpowering. No, it's not, not like t- some no, of these uh, these no. rice crispy treats <laughs> I have where it tastes like you're just eating a bag of wheat. It, it doesn't little, live up to how it looks. Though. Get a little tiny uh, salamander or maybe just a, a lighter and hold it over. Yeah, or just a little melting light. it in my mouth right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, to our friends at the Nameless Company for your sweet and salty s'mores stack, they look beautiful, um, convenient. I like this little this tube they come in. Um, I'm going to throw this one back in mine, and you can seal it back up nice and easily. So I, I like all that. Uh, taste-wise, it just does not live 100% up to how pretty they are. Well, my dog likes it. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Well, now, that final bit of news I promised you about, Chef Marcus Samuelson is in town. In fact, I'm heading straight from this recording session to interview him. Rick, you and Marcus go way back. A lot of people remember you two facing off against each other in the final round of Top Chef Masters. Mm -hmm. I also remember you hosting a collaborative dinner with him at RM Seafood. Yes, we did. Cool. So I know you know him. Um, I, I believe you guys to be friendly. He's yeah. in town to launch a new Impossible Chicken Nuggets at his Resorts World Hawker Stand or Hawker Stall or whatever it's called. Street Bird. It's located in the famous foods, food court, Hawk, Hawker Market, again, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm told it'll be among the first less, I will be among the first in Las Vegas to try these non-chicken, plant-based, vegan-friendly faux chicken nuggets um well i'm gonna cut mm-hmm. straight to the interview but going in any thoughts on that rick man what do you think about the faux foods uh i'm trying to embrace them i just tried a faux well i brought it up yeah you, yeah it brought me faux tuna thing tuna. Yeah. tuna and all these things i have to taste it yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know i'm you know what I'm, I'm i'm on the fence about it i like it i understand it i'm, I'm educating myself on it because i'm confused by it now you know, why do we need that? You know, what, what what's the importance of it? I can understand gluten-free because people suffer for it. I can, but with chickens, why do we need a fake well, chicken? Yeah. I mean, there's a hundred reasons to go vegan. And some people do it for environmental reasons. Some people do it for health reasons. Right. Some people yeah. do it for animal cruelty reasons, down. right? So um, I guess the question, I, here's my thing. I think junk food is where faux, faux meats belong. I'm not claiming, but Marcus doesn't do junk food. He does no. solid chicken sandwiches. Well, but this is a chicken nugget. So we'll see, man. Um, if you want, you can drive over to Resorts World with me. Otherwise, um, <laughs> everybody else is going to listen to Marcus and myself talking about about that. Chef Samuelson, great to see you again. It's been since right before COVID at PBS. How have you been? How have you held up during COVID? Obviously, COVID has been a very, very difficult time for all of us, but um, I'm okay. You know, my restaurant family is doing well. We're back up again and my immediate family doing well. And uh, But it was very scary and gnarly for a long time. And I'm really excited that we can, you know, we held on. We we partnered with World Central Kitchen during this time and served over 250,000 meals in our restaurant in New York and Harlem, but also kept opening. Like we were able to open Street Bird here at Resort World in Las Vegas during, you know, despite the pandemic. So we were able to work it out, but it was very difficult. And how are you feeling about Street Bird here in Las Vegas, man? Because it's it's been fun having you here. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's amazing. The team has done a great job, and uh, we're doing really really well. And I also say to the, everybody, think about it. We've done this. We become a local place, right? Uh, because there's no tourists, and then in January the tourists are going to start to come back, and hopefully we can grow from there. But but I also love the time that you know I have a lot of friends in Vegas, and they're like, oh, taking pictures, and saying we were just a street bird. So we're very fortunate. Uh, now we started to introduce some new menu items and grow the menu a little bit, and you know I think a little bit more gratitude. I don't take anything for granted. Like uh, you and I talked about, it. I just saw you right before the pandemic started, and. Moments like that, you have to take a little more gratitude and be like, because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are here today not to talk about your chicken, but to talk about a little faux chicken. Yeah. Could you explain? You're, I guess, one of the first people to have this product. So yeah. tell all my vegan listeners yeah. what you have for them. Well, I'm super proud for us here at Street Bird. We have our impossible vegan chicken nuggets now. And I feel it's just the beginning. You know, we introduced it in New York at Red Rooster and in Miami at Red Rooster. And it's super popular because, 
you know, whether you're vegetarian or vegan, you want to be part. I mean, you come to Vegas to be with your friends and be social and have fun. And you just don't want to hold up the line. And now you can have options that are just as great. And even if I'm not vegan, but I love to, to, to eat them because they're delicious. They're quick to make. And it's fun, especially for the family. Do you think the in order to reach the next generation yeah. of diners, I think you need vegan options. I mean, are you are you are you and other members of the restaurant world kind of coming to understand that you know it's not a fad, it's not a um, it's not a, a subsection, but it's really just part of it's becoming more and more part of culture. Absolutely, and I feel like a chef. We, we you know we have platforms, and our by purchasing what we buy matters, right? And what we do matters. So it's important for us to signal and do the right thing. And my next restaurant in New York, for example, it's all about sustainability. That we're going to open um, in spring in New York, and you know, 50% of the restaurant will be all vegetarian. All the meat and the seafood that we buy, uh, it's all around sustainability, right? And and thinking about the carbon footprint because. Think about how much chefs can influence, uh, whether it's on Food Network or on YouTube. And, and we all have to think about how do we actually dial back on our animal protein taking. Doesn't mean that you have to be vegetarian, but just do a little bit better with it. And this is the way to start it. Cool. So are the sauces that you have with this also vegan? Yeah, I mean, we, we normally have a honey a mustard dip, but we do the, uh, the sweetness with agave instead. And it's been fun for us as chefs like, to figure out how can we have the integrity of the flavors, uh, but yet also keeping it vegan. So yeah, coleslaw, obviously, uh, we're just making it with vinegar, so that's really, really nice. And then our barbecue sauce is vegan as well. So just keeping it vegan and, and enjoying uh, having customers, uh, vegan, vegetarian or not, enjoying the meal, you know? Cool. Well, Chef, thanks so much for your time, man. It's good seeing you again. Always good, always good to see you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thanks to all of our guests, Ismaili Romano, Dave Simmons, Marcus Samuelson, and of course our co-host Rick Moonen. Next week, we have something a little different planned for you. What with it being Thanksgiving and all. Since we know that a lot of you will spend Thursday either traveling or cooking, and because we'll be doing much of the same, we're not going to drop our normal Friday episode about what's new in Las Vegas. Instead, we'll be dropping a special Thanksgiving episode at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday with some of our friends sharing their favorite holiday stories. It'll be there for you when you wake up on Thanksgiving morning or get up to put the turkey in the oven at some ridiculous hour, whatever it is you do, or while you drive over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house or fly there. You get the picture. I have been chatting with people like Elizabeth Blau of Honey Salt, Corey Harwell of Carson Kitchen, Soul Belly's Bruce Kalman, Justin Kingsley Hall of Main Street Provisions, and of course Rick Moonen, and I can tell you these stories will make you laugh, make you cry, and make you thankful. Honestly, Rick nearly brought me to tears with his story, but it also reminded me what the holiday was all about. So please, check it out. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, and uh, say nice things about us, especially on Apple Podcasts. Send your feedback to us, your likes, your retweets, your honest opinions. We need all that stuff. We really do. Find everything you need to know about how to do all that at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Or reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. With producer Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen in the co-host chair, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.